Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest today, Paula Braxton. Paula lives in the wild, mountainous part of Wales and is the New York Times best-selling author of The Witch's Daughter. One of her more recent books is The Winter Witch. So welcome, Paula, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm so pleased you could join me this evening. Or actually, no, it's Hello, Bern- this afternoon. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Bernadette. Yes, it's afternoon here. Thank you for inviting me I usually me on do the these show. shows in the yeah I usually do these shows in the evening, so I think that's why I got right. confused. But um, given the time frame, since I'm in New York and you're yeah, we can, in we Wales, we can blame it on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the first things I want to talk to you about, and, and first of all, I am a huge, huge fan, as I told you before the show started. Uh, I loved, loved The Witch's Daughter. I recently read The Winter Witch, which I also really loved. So uh, thank you thank so you. much for, for being interviewed on the show. But I, I looked at some of the prior interviews that you did, and there was a mm-hmm. quote from one of those interviews that really struck me. So I'm going to read it, and maybe you can talk about okay. how this, this summarizes your writing. But you said mm-hmm. in a recent interview, Quote, I am inspired by wilderness and wildness, by individuals who make their own way in the world, and by courage. Mm-hmm. I just love, love that quote. I don't know if you remember saying it, but maybe you could talk about what inspires your writing and, and why you focused on witches. Okay, well, the, I think the two things, to take the first part of that question um, first, I live in a, in a wild place, as you said, and I, I grew up here. I grew up in, in the Brecon Beacons, which is a a national park in Wales, and it, it is fairly wild. Um, and I do think one of the things, I, one of the quotes from my book for the Winter Witch is that um, wild places make wild people. Um, <laughs> and I realize that's open to a very broad interpretation, but I think there is something about living that close to nature, even in a modern existence and a modern world, um, that just breeds a certain type of way of thinking and a certain type of person. Um, and that said, I think that the landscape is, is magical anyway. There is a, an element of, of, of mystery and magic in, in the landscape that I'm lucky enough to live in. Um, the, witches, the witches give me so much scope. Um, you can just do what if and let your imagination go mad as a writer. And I enjoy that as a reader too, to know that you know, anything's possible. Um, so I think those two things together give me a lot to work with before I start my stories. Well, what I loved about your book, especially I think The Winter Witch, is mm-hmm. that the the setting of the book is almost you almost treat it like another character. It's so important, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. You don't just say, yeah. "Yeah, they're on a mountain and it's cold." You really, <laughs> really go into detail describing that. And and as a reader, I, I felt like I was almost there. But I wanted to talk to you about, you know, how do you strike the balance? Because I, I think we've all read books where there's this beautiful description. But mm-hmm. it's kind of boring, right? The plot doesn't go anywhere. And I think your yeah. books have managed to make you feel like you're, you're there, that you're really, you know, you can see yourself uh-huh. on, on that wind, windswept um, mountain. But, but yet you're still engaged in the story. So how do, you, how do you strike a balance as a writer? Well, I think, um, first of all, I'm so pleased to hear you say that it does transport you to that place because that's, that's what I think my job is, to help you go somewhere you've never been and do things you've never done and, and be someone that you, you're never going to be. Um, I think the balance comes from 
using the the setting in action um, when whether somebody is just thinking about something that's happened that's really important to them they'll they'll still be out in the landscape doing that thinking um, or if the way that the weather or the seasons or the the nature that they're in is affecting them physically or affecting their mood um, or affecting what it is they're trying to do. I try and use the landscape in an active way. So it's not a backdrop or a setting. Um, It is, as you say, almost like another character. And I think that was the challenge for me, particularly with the winter witch, when we start to get into winter. And and I wanted to use the different... (laughs) different types of snow, different types of cold weather, because it, it's very easy to slip into cliché, particularly when you're describing snow. Um, so that was a trap I had to be aware of. But also to, to give that feeling, I mean, up here we have some snow that is almost suffocating. It snows so heavily and so fast that you think you could, you could drown in those snowflakes and other snow that is very, very still and eerie. Um, and I just I wanted to try and make the differences. And I think if you... If you can make it feel that it's a living thing um, and it is part of the action, it's not just the padding, it's not just the flowery bits between what happens or between what somebody says. It it is a part of the whole thing. Right. And what I think is very interesting is how you say that the the landscape makes the people or impacts the people. Mm -hmm. And and I think I use that in in my... um, my four-book series called The Devil's mm-hmm. Legacy, which is set on a very set in a, a wild part of Ireland, actually where my okay. parents used to have a summer home in, um, in mm-hmm. Limerick. And, you know, I'm from New York and I grew up in New York, but I used to go visit them and I used to walk along, again, coming from, um, from Manhattan, right, which was where I was uh-huh. working at the time, to my parents' home, and there was just, like, nothing around, and it, it was very still, yeah. and it's, I would just walk along those lanes and just be transported. And so, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years later, when I started writing, that's what drew me, more so than the glittery mm-hmm. nightlife of Manhattan, which I did write one book like that, but I think my deeper books are The Devil and Legacy, because I really, really connected with that landscape and developed yeah. characters kind of based on some of the people I'd met there who were so different from people in my own world, but they mm. just had a different sense of themselves. And so, and then I think it was so eerie that it almost lent itself to a supernatural element. Yeah. For me, I picked the witches. Now, mm-hmm. what I find more interesting, you know, because obviously paranormal in some sense, and I don't know if you characterize your books as paranormal, but paranormal is, was I very don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, you don't mind, right? You know, whatever. I don't whatever mind. They've been called all sorts of things. Uh, That's one of the ladies, But I, yeah. I think... Yeah, the labels are, are tough, but um, but mm-hmm. what I think, what why I was attracted to witches, and maybe you can say the same for you, is, you know, even though they're supernatural, at heart they're they're women, and they have this power mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's it's not all glittery, you know, sexy vampires, right? It's power yeah. that they use, and they're it's not always, and they may use it for very good reasons, but there's a yeah. downside to that, and that really came through in your books where they, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think in the first book that, that I read, the, the Witch's Daughter, the, I think the mother in that story really understood the, the cost of using certain types of magic. That's right. And why did That's she right. use I mean, it, it to save her daughter? It, what were the, I'm sorry, go ahead, but, but well, what I, I found really interesting with there you was... It's, um, yeah, I mean, once you've, especially going back in time, once you've come out and said, yes, this is, this is some power I have, then you're in real danger. Because although in your smaller community you might be welcomed as someone who can help, 
um, in the wider community you would not be, and especially in certain areas. Of course, the times when witches were, were hunted and, um, and rooted out and got rid of, um, it was a very real risk that you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't survive. So, and even when we come to the winter witch, which was you know, quite a lot later than the, the first part of, of the witch's daughter, we're into the 1830s, even then, you know, witchcraft was a crime and, and you could be persecuted for it and prosecuted for it. And maybe we could go into, you know, again, um, what type of research you did, because obviously your books mm-hmm. seem to be very well researched. And I know Thank that you're, you. you're pulling a lot from your own, oh, you're welcome, pulling a lot from your <laughs> experience in terms of the setting, but you must have done a lot uh-huh. of research. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Well, I love history. I lo- the researching the historical um, elements of my books is, is a, a pleasure to me. It is... Um, in fact, it's, it's a da- there's a danger that I could just keep researching and never write anything if I don't, you know, limit myself. Um, I, I, in- I pick a period or an area of history that really interests me, and then I do just immerse myself in it. And, of course, the other thing I then have to stop myself doing is throwing all that onto the page because, you know, this is a work of fiction. People are not reading it as a, you know, a historical primer for some exam. They don't want to have facts thrown at them. Um, so you have to resist putting all the lovely information you found into your story and, and use it effectively but sparingly. Um, I use the library. I buy a lot of books. Um, I do use the Internet, although uh, it's a pernicious stealer of time. You do have to be careful because you end up finding the same piece of information ten times over and not getting any further or getting sidetracked and going off a, at a tangent that's away from what you're really looking um, for. So I think you have to be sensible about it. It, it, it. You need good information, not just lots of information. And I do mm-hmm. do things like, uh, much to my family's alarm, I, I will surround myself with pictures um, from the time that I'm looking into. It. So a lot of, lot of books on, on witches, but also a lot of images of witches around the place. People give me witches... <laughs> I have little toy witches here and there and things like that. And I think that I'm beginning to be overwhelmed by them here in my little office. Um, I watch movies. I do watch a lot of movies that are set in the times that I'm interested in, if only sometimes to, to see how it shouldn't be done or to, to warn myself of what happens if you get the dialogue wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I spend quite a lot of time uh, doing that. When I started the series, um, I talked it over with my, my editor quite a long time, and, and I said one of the things I really wanted to do was to choose different historical eras um, for my witches. I might revisit some, but certainly it was going to be witches in different ages and different settings, and this seemed like a really good idea at the time. Um, but, of course, the downside of that is that each time I write a book, I am starting again. I'm, I'm not becoming an expert in Tudor history. I'm, I'm researching a whole new... Um, era and and so that um, it's a challenge but for me it it makes it more interesting Um, and it's still looking at those strong gifted women Um, you have the common thread of of exceptional women um, in difficult circumstances challenged defending themselves usually defending their loved ones um, but at a different time in history so it it gives me variety Mm -hmm. well I think what you say is, uh, is, is a very good warning for authors because so often mm-hmm. you hear people at least in my writing group you know or, or even online you hear people mm-hmm. saying oh well I'm researching my book I'm researching my book and that's great 
but you can you can convince yourself that you're working on your book. And sometimes, you know, yeah. I, get, I think, again, I think a lot of writers are, are at heart readers, so it's interesting to read about history, but you're yeah. not getting pages done on your own book. So I mm-hmm. think you have to really strike a balance. And with my books, I actually didn't do a whole lot of research on the witchcraft. I really focused more on the relationship. I, I focused a lot on the mother-daughter relationship and how, yeah. and how that impacted, um, you know, how they handed the, the powers down through the generations mm-hmm. and how that impacted people. But one of the things I did do to do a little bit of research was I went to the New York Witches Festival a couple of years ago oh, wow. with my sister. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. It, what was really crazy, and, I, and I, my sister and I, we sat in on some seminars, and uh-huh. I actually met a woman who was um, both a romance writer and a witch, and she was really Eden McCoy, and I actually convinced her to be on my show when she gave me some books, Excellent. so she was really fun. But Excellent. such a different mindset, really is, and, mm-hmm. and they were very anti-Christian. Like, I, I'm Catholic, I'm an Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. right? And it didn't occur to me. I thought witches were going to be, you know, kind of nice and sparkly people and they were nice they were fun but they were there like there were some of them who were really like anti anti you know any traditional Mm -hmm. religion which i was not mentally i think you're you're going to get extremes in any um in in any group of people i suppose you're going to get extremes but i think um I, i it's interesting you say that because i have had emails from some readers who said they were nervous because of their christian beliefs they were nervous about reading particularly the first book um they thought, you know, is this okay? Is, am I going to be uncomfortable with if there's stuff about Satan or black magic or darkness in here? Is this going to be a problem for me? And it, and, and it's nice of them to take the time to write and say, no, it was fine. <laughs> it was okay. Um, and I do also get emails from people who say they are practicing witches, lots of different types of witches. Um, and, and that's really interesting and very um, gratifying for me if they say they think I've got it right, if they think that the, the magic feels authentic and it feels properly understood and researched. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of potential for me to still get it wrong, especially as I do different types of witches and different types of magic um, in my books as well. Right. Well, it's your world, and you get to set the boundaries. And so for my yeah. family of witches, you know, I incorporated my Catholicism in it. And mm-hmm. all of my witches went to Mass every Sunday, right, because they Ooh. lived in a small town in Ireland, and that's what you do. And, yeah. and they didn't necessarily see the dichotomy. You know, they were witches, and they had these powers, and people would come to them. Pe- the people that they met mm-hmm. at Mass would come to them for a healing potion, you know, the, yep. the, later that afternoon. So for my, in my world, that's what I did. But um, like I said, I think you have to do the research to get certain things right. Otherwise, you really pull people out of the story. And obviously, you're that, even going beyond that and do doing so much research. That, yeah, you, you don't want to do something that really jars. But likewise, with um, Morgana would go to chapel um, and, and follow the religion of, of her husband and her family, um, even though she was, she was um, a, a witch. And, and I think, as you say, as a writer, it is your world, and you must hold on to that. I mean, I'd certainly give that advice to other writers is... is you know, if if that's what happened in your version of 1830s Wales or wherever it is, whenever it was, um, it's your story. And and as long as you say, well, this is how it happened in my story, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I think you just, as you say, you have to be aware of having people say, mm, pe- people will go with you if they believe it's in keeping with the story and in keeping with the character. However outlandish and however magical 
um, your plot becomes, as long as it's in keeping with the story world you've created and the, the character that they've come to understand, then I think the readers will, will stay with you on it. Now, how long does it typically take you to write a book, research and write a book? Um, it depends when you view me as starting. I mean, actually, I don't start writing probably uh, for the first three or four months. I'll just be thinking the idea will come to me, and then maybe I'll get a couple of pages, just pin that idea down in case it flutters away in the wind, uh, maybe come back to it a few weeks later and think about it a bit more. And then once I really think, okay, now I, I do have the character, because it tends to, for me, it starts with the character. And if the characters come to me, then I start to think how that character is going to work in its setting and the time. So maybe I'll start writing after about four months. I might do a rough outline, very rough, full of holes, <laughs> and uh, chapter notes which will go out the window in the first few weeks of writing, but just something to begin with. Um, and from when I start writing until when I've finished a reasonable first draft, probably nine months to a year. Um, and then it just depends on how many how many further drafts there end up being. Um, I think with the the Winter Witch, it, probably it was two or three drafts, and it seemed to come together quite quickly. Um, the book mm -hmm. I just finished now is much more complicated, much more complex uh, plot, um, and that took longer to get right, so I had to keep coming back and really changing aspects of the storylines to make that one work. So I suppose, yeah, anything from minimum of a year up to 18 months for a book. And do you consider yourself a full-time writer, or do you have a day job, or is writing your I day do job? I know. This is, this is indeed my day job. I'm, I consider myself very fortunate. Um, I used to teach creative writing um, classes, private classes and at university. I used to um, lecture part-time, and I enjoyed it very much and learned huge amounts. But I am very pleased to now be able to write full-time, and it's really to do with the continuity, I think, of the creative process, if that doesn't sound too precious. It's just that thing of being able to know that you've got days ahead of you and you are writing and that's what you're doing. Um, because it is an hours in the saddle sort of job. You know, if you're not putting the hours in, you can't produce enough work and you don't want to feel you're doing that um, more hurried than it has to be. Uh, so obviously it, it, it's quite a luxury to be able to feel that it is now a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, my con uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not a full-time writer. My day job is I'm a lawyer. And so I really mm -hmm. write on the margins of my life. And people often okay. ask me, they're like, you know, are you in a, do, you, do you just fantasize about the time when you can write full-time? And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily say yes. I love writing. I really do. Mm -hmm. But my concern would be if I was writing full-time, would it start to feel like a job? Because right now, writing <sighs> is a joy for me. It's almost an escape yeah. from my real life. And mm -hmm. I, I would be afraid that I would turn turn it too much into a job and almost lose the joy. Although, like you said, I think it, so that obviously limits my output, you know, because I'm not yeah. writing eight hours a day. But when mm -hmm. I do write, it has to be very concentrated. And so, you know, I, I steal hours here and there. Um, I mm -hmm. have a long commute, so I, you know, I, I write on my commute when people are, you know, next to me on their cell phones. Yeah. But, uh, but it, you know, uh. it's, it's what I can do right now. But again, you know, I think about it, and my husband sometimes asks me, he's like, "Would you like to quit your job and write full time?" Yeah. And I don't. I'm not jumping at the bit, and I, maybe I'm afraid to do it. You know what I mean? I like right now, if my book yeah, fits. I, I think it's quite scary, and not just financially. I think it's for exactly the reasons you've, you've said. 
And I think there's more pressure if you feel like this is it now. I am this is my only visible means of support. I have to make this work. And that is quite a big step to take. Um and I mm-hmm. did take it before. I really knew that the books were going to work as well as they have. So it was a leap of faith. Um I think when I, whenever I was doing something else, I was always thinking about my books anyway. Um, and I was beginning to be aware that maybe the other things I was doing, like my teaching and things like that, were being squeezed in around my writing rather than the other way round. Um, and like you, when I started writing, I was fitting the writing into gaps. I mean, when I did my, my MA in creative writing when I had my two babies very close together and was writing my first novel, and really then I was just writing in 20-minute bursts. You know, if one of them was asleep or if Granny took one out for a walk, I would sit down and write. And I would sit down, I didn't chew my pen, I didn't stare out the window, I didn't fiddle around with things to get the perfect alignment. I just sat down and wrote. And when they came back to mm-hmm. the door, I stopped. Sometimes mid-sentence, and I would start again mid-sentence, maybe three hours later i get another 20 minutes and I'd write for that. And it was a very good discipline. It taught me mm-hmm. you can't wait for the muse to visit you you have to control that muse and drag her along with you and say right now we're writing now this is the moment to be creative and and i think it it will stand me in good stead um and there is a danger if you have five or six hours that you'll still only write 1500 2000 words because you'll fiddle around for the other how many hours do, do you know what i mean if you've got time to yeah. meander and wander i do have very sharp pencils <laughs> So, you know, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and also, I feel like writing, again, writing in those bursts, and now my daughter has two hours, because I forced my, mother, my daughter to do Irish dancing, so she has these two-hour <laughs> classes now. And I yeah. love it, because I take my little computer, and I mm-hmm. run, there's a local library right down the street, and I just sit yeah. there. And sometimes I open up the computer, and I have no idea what I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the things that come out. But after even that, an hour and a half of that, because then I have to go pick her up, I'm yeah. exhausted. I'm drained. Yeah. I don't think I could do yeah. six hours of that. I really don't. No. So no, I don't. I, I certainly don't write um, at that pitch for for six hours. Um, I tend to find, you know, maybe I have like an hour and a half burst, and then I need to get up, move away from the computer, walk the dog, or something for half an hour, and then I can come back and do some more. You need to sort of give your your mind a br- bit of a break. Um, mm-hmm. But when you are doing it full time, there's so much other stuff like you know radio interviews <laughs> and things like That's that right. that you're doing as well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That you're always preparing stuff, and also I mean there are different aspects of each book. So at the moment, I'm writing the book that I hope will come out. You know, um, 2015. I'm now working on that book. I'm also um, doing the proofs for the book that's coming out in March. Um, I also am getting together an outline for the book that I'm going to do after the one I'm writing now. Um, I now have publishers in several different countries, which means that I'm being asked about different books at the same time. So somebody will ask me to talk about The Winter Witch. Somebody else wants me to do something for The Witch's Daughter. So I have to all the time keep doing this little mental gymnastics and and skipping about... um, to produce different types of writing, different types of concentration. And and really, I think the beauty of being full-time is that all that stuff can go into my proper working day. Um, But that still means, you know, there are months of the year when I'll be doing 10 o'clock till midnight writing stints to to make my deadlines or to catch up if I've got behind with things. Or if it's going really well, that's the other thing. If you're really flowing and you want to keep writing... 
um, then it's almost harder to have any interruptions. And, and, and I will write evenings as well then until I'm sort of until I fall over really. Now maybe you could tell us a little bit about your writing process. Do you use critique groups at this point, or did you use them early in your career, or do you have writing partners, or are you a lone um, wolf? I'm a bit of a lone wolf. Yeah, I am. I untypically I don't have an agent, and I, I not for this. I do have an agent for another series of books, but that's a whole n- another interview. Um, I don't have an agent for these books, so really I was very accustomed to having to do it on my own. I have one or two trusted readers. My my mother is is one of my most trusted readers, and and another friend or two who who will read stuff for me. Um, but mostly, no, it's a solitary journey until I actually get it in front of my editor now. Um, then it, I do it on my own. Um, I don't mm. inflict it on anyone else. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not, I don't mind telling people about it, uh, whatever I'm working on, but I think it's just sometimes you can over-talk a thing. If you talk about it too much to someone else, then you almost bore yourself before you've written it. I don't know if you find right. that possible. You, you know, I think especially, too, when you're writing something like paranormal and mm-hmm. there's a whole world building that goes into that and until somebody mm-hmm. experiences exactly. it as a writer it yeah. sounds kind of insane you know what i mean like i was yeah. describing yeah. my first book in my in my series I'm sorry i lost my mm-hmm. um i was um discussing my first book in my series and mm-hmm. i was describing it to a friend a fellow lawyer and i was like well it's about um this <clears throat> This devil, this devil that lives in a mountain, and he kind of controls yeah. his family, and it sounds completely insane. But when, and, I, and my friend was like, "Oh my god!" But she actually read it. And she's like, "Oh, okay, now I get it." it. Makes like sense now, because yeah, yes, because it's as not a reader, when context, you're, is it? Exactly, exactly, and it's yeah. you have to almost enter that world as a reader mm-hmm. to really understand it. Again, as opposed to like a love story where boy meets girl and they get married, that's easier for people to <laughs> kind of understand. But um, yeah. I, I try also. I don't want people to like. I had one friend who kept saying, "You know, I want to read your book. I want to read your book," and but mm-hmm. she's busy or whatever. I said, "Look, if I tell people about my books because that's what I'm doing. If you choose to yeah. read it, great." If you don't, that's yeah. fine too. It doesn't impact our relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. <laughs> Writing is reading is very personal, and what I write is not mm-hmm. to everyone's taste. And so, you know, it, that that's where I'm at. Exactly. But you know, exactly. one of the things I wanted to talk about briefly, and we're actually running a little bit out of time, is, you know, how did you get published? How maybe you could tell us a little bit about your publication uh-huh. journey. Um, well, I, I don't want to put anybody off, <laughs> but it took me nine years to get my first novel published. Um, so, although you know it's lovely to be speaking to you now, but it's, it's those nine years in the pre-published—that's how I like to think of them—pre-published wilderness. Um, I sympathise everybody who's trying to get published. I have been there, and I know what it's like. Um, and these are the days before we did much by email. So we're talking submissions of great, hefty, expensive posted pieces of paper that came thudding back onto your doormat, and every time they came, you knew they'd come back. Um, so I did that for a long time. Um, during that time, I, I did my MA in creative writing. Um, I wrote and had published short stories and nonfiction. So I kept sending things out, entering competitions, putting in submissions, looking for publishers that would take submissions without an agent, um, and just sending stuff out and rewriting stuff and rewriting stuff. Um, and eventually, after my MA, I... I uh, I did find an agent, and I had an agent for two years, and I still didn't sell anything. 
So I had I wrote a book and she tried to publish it, uh, find a publisher and she couldn't. So I sat down and wrote another one and she tried to find a publisher and she couldn't. <laughs> so I got two thirds of the way through the third one and she said, mm, "That's a bit bitty," and I, I took my courage in both hands and I, I sacked my agent, um, which was a really difficult thing to do at that stage in my career because I was still unpublished. Um, and mm-hmm. I went back to submitting and I submitted that novel when I'd finished it by myself directly to publishers and it was picked up by a small press called Snow Books in the UK and they published it which was you know just wonderful just to feel I got out there somewhere and then the book was picked up by my editor um, from Thomas Dunn St Martin's Press and he then we worked on that book together even though it had already been published we worked on it for six months and that was The Witch's Daughter so uh, I he offered me a two-book contract, and I persuaded him a little later to make it a four-book contract, and here I am. Wow. So it just goes Still to show right. perseverance works. Perseverance works. Yeah. And, you know, it in does, some ways, hard, maybe it, you know? it is hard. It is hard. But in, in some ways, maybe it was good that you didn't have all the other options, because now people can mm-hmm. self-publish. They can publish with smaller um, presses, which is yeah. what I did. And I'm not sure yeah. if that was really the best, because I, I didn't have the patience, right? I, I sent it out to a bunch of agents. Uh-huh. I didn't get it. Um, and then a small press wanted to publish it, and so I've mm-hmm. published most of my books through small e-push uh, publishers. And yeah. in retrospect, you know, maybe I should have held on, and you know, maybe I should have held on for that traditional uh, publishing because mm-hmm. you hear, you know, oh, pu- traditional publishing is dead. But it's not dead. Ooh, they no. still have the keys to the kingdom. They still have yeah. the distribution. And so, yeah. you know, like I said, all these options are great for writers, but they're mm-hmm. also in a possible trap. And so now the book I'm I think working in your, on now. I think in your heart you know what sort of career you want to have. You know how mm-hmm. you want to see your books um, published. And... For some people, they may want the control of self-publishing and, and using e-books to have a much more immediate and direct route to readership, and I think that's an excellent route for some people. And for other people, you may think, no, you know what, I want an editor. I want this to be collaboration with people who know the industry. And, and, and sometimes you have, to, you have to hold out for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, and, and look, I think... Again, options are great, and you can. There's no hard and fast rule. You can. Mm-hmm. A lot of writers now are traditionally published, and then they self-publish, and they do all kinds of other things. And so, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think you're right. It, every writer's journey is very um, unique to them. But yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure. Like I said, you weren't really tempted to do that because that didn't exist at the time. It, it sounds like for really. you. Not really. It was beginning, but no, it didn't. It didn't really exist as an option. Mm-hmm. Not a serious option. Right. And so, and so it worked out. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of your other, um, I know you have The Winter Witch. I, I believe you have some other books coming out, and maybe you can also tell I people do. where they can find you online. Okay, yes. Um, at the moment, The Witch's Daughter and The Winter Witch are out in uh, the USA and just about out here in the UK. Um, they're also translated into Polish and Portuguese, if you're in any of those places. Um, and they'll be out in Australia as well and New Zealand. Um, my next book coming out in the USA is The Midnight Witch, and that will be out in uh, March. Um, and that's set in 1913 London, with witches, of course. Um, I 
think we have some plans to put some other interesting bits out before that, but I'm not going to be able to tell you any more just now. All I can say is if you look at my website, which is www.paulabraxton.com, um, I try and update my blog and things will be on there. I also have a new um, Facebook page now. There's a The World of Paula Braxton, which my um, publishers have been really helpful in, in setting up for me. And we will be putting notifications on there when we've got um, more stuff to, to talk to you about and more stuff to show you. Um, definitely before Christmas, I think there should be something. And now you're sticking with the witch's theme. Is that something you plan on doing, or are there other ideas in your head? Are, are you planning um, to veer away from the witches at any point? Uh, there, They've there been successful, other ideas. so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I, I love writing about them. It's the, the reasons I chose to write about witches still stand. And as I say, I'm on what is effectively my, my fourth witchy book now I'm writing. And there's another one in the pipeline after that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I certainly, people have asked me would I do a sequel to The Witch's Daughter. And I think, yes, one day I would, I would like to do that. I'd like to re- revisit those characters and do something with that. Um, but, yeah, there are other aspects of, of writing that I'd like to explore as well. So who knows? There'll be different series as well, I should imagine. But I'm not done wow. with witches yet. <laughs> like you said, there's a, there's a lot to write about. And I, I just love, like I said, I, I want to thank you for writing such wonderful books. Um, they have inspired me in my own writing, and I've really loved oh, them. And wonderful. I can't wait to read your next one. So again, thank and thanks you. so much for joining, joining me. I know it was... Um, you're, you're calling long distance, so I appreciate that. But um, again, okay. um, it's, been, it's been wonderful to hear about your experience, and I, I'm sure my listeners have enjoyed it. So anyway, Paula, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, just to update everyone on what's going on with Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, I have some really wonderful shows coming up for November. On November 6th, I have Cynthia Dalba. On November 13th, I have Kate Masters. And on November 27th, I have Rita Plush, and they are all romance writers. So um, please check out my website. You can get all the information on the upcoming shows, uh, com. Just wanted to also update everyone on my books. The Devlin Legacy books are all out and available. Uh, the first book in that series, Devil's Mountain. And then I have my other books, Devil's Shore, Devil's Daughter, and my most recent, The Devlin Witch, which was released by Lyrical Press on September 1st. So Please check those all, all those out. There are excerpts and there are reviews on my website. And again, the website is www.bernadettewalsh.com. So thanks so much for joining me. And um, it was just wonderful to speak with Paula. And I hope to hear from everyone next time. Again, nice girls reading naughty books. And this is your host, Bernadette Walsh. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>